Dr. Marketing Tips, paging Dr. Marketing Tips. Dr. Marketing Tips, you're needed in the marketing department. Welcome to the Dr. Marketing Tips Podcast, your prescription to the answers you seek to grow your medical practice easier, better, and faster. This show is all about connecting practice administrators and medical marketing professionals with peers working in practices, learning from experiences, making mistakes, and sharing successes. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Marketing Tips Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Corey, and I'm here as always alongside Jennifer. Hey Corey, hey everybody. And today we want to take a few minutes and just kind of discuss the importance and the role of websites in your marketing today. So websites have come a long way. Um, back in the day, I mean, even just a couple of years ago, a medical practice website was much like a brochure or a business card. It had your relevant information, maybe a picture of your doctor on it, um, some basic list of services that you performed, and hopefully a phone number. You usually didn't even have a map on it. I mean, it was just the basics like your brochure was. Well, now websites are literally a living, breathing organism. I, I consider them like a little baby that you have to nurture all the time because now your website is the hub. It's the mothership of all of your efforts as it relates to inbound marketing. You're driving traffic to your website with the sole purpose of enhancing patient experience, converting potential patients to new patients, and then getting those patients into the door. And so having a website now is so different than it was even just a couple of years ago. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you think about, you know, every piece of marketing material that you create, your website's on it. And, and for the most part, if you're doing it right, the goal is to drive them back to this big mothership, as Jen referred to it as, so they can learn more about the practice and then hopefully convert from potential patient into lifelong loving patient. And the website helps them do that. So chances are your, your website's performance, it's really high on your list of priorities if you're a marketer for medical practice in today's world. Yeah, and it's not just the website as the, the consumer sees it. It's the website behind the scenes. It's the kind of the, the skeleton of it, the bones, the structure, the um, behavior, the traffic analysis, what pages are performing well. It's the load time. It's, it's everything that goes into that overall enhancing of the patient experience. We, um, we service private medical practices and, and feels like we do a lot of websites in the last couple of years on projects. And that's, that's because <laughs> that's because in order to execute an effective inbound marketing um, program, you need an effective website. And a lot of times I'd say eight out of 10 times or nine out of 10 times, you know, the, the client that we're working with or the practice we're working with just doesn't have a website. And we know that in order to get them to achieve the goals that they've set for themselves and that we've helped them set, um, they've got to have something that's dynamic. And so I was looking um, every, every year kind of towards the end of the year, I evaluate all the hours we spend across all the clients and then I break it into kind of here's what task we worked on and, and where our time was truly spent. And um, a couple of years ago, I would have said, geez, we are just spending so much time on social media. Um, last year, I would have said, you know, we spent so much time just managing profiles and reputation management and whatnot. And then, um, you know, things related to the websites themselves. And we ended up at the end of the day spending about six and a half percent of our total time, um, which is, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours per month on social media development and social media projects. We spent, I would say, um, 10 maybe 
give or take 10% on things related to reputation management and profile management. And all in all, we spend about 20% of our time in something related to websites for clients. And these are not website projects as in building a website from scratch. This is babysitting the baby, making sure that she's fed, that she's nourished, that her diapers are changed, hmm. that we know who's who's checking up on her, who's visiting her, you know, that, that the, there's clean sheets on the crib. We are nourishing the baby 20% of our time. We are taking care of the website for clients. And um, I think that our time spent on those particular projects is, can translate pretty well into your day and day with the practice. You should probably be spending, let's say 15 to 20% of your time doing something to enhance the patient experience via the, the online experience of your website. Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, a lot of the uh, time management and, and the, the time sucks of so the big parts of your schedule. Once the website's built and up and running, that's great. But then you have to spend a lot of time, like Jen said, kind of going through the analytics and seeing what's working, what's not, and why, and then writing and optimizing content. And you know, there's there's four really critical elements we want to touch on real quick for the website. So the first is probably uh, the SEO. That's something that's always sort of living and breathing and, and changing. But you know, ideally, your website, when someone searches for a term, your website's going to show up on the front page of Google because uh, research shows that if you're not on that front page, there's somewhere in the neighborhood of like a 35% drop off from where people will actually, like, no one clicks that second page, basically. So if you're not on the front, well, then, you know, no one's going to see you, or at least not as many people. So SEO is critically important. And some of the things that you can do to help with SEO include creating new relevant content. And one of the only ways to do that is to, one, know what your audience is looking for, and two, to successfully create that content and then put it up on the website, make sure that it's optimized and that, you, you know, you have all it, – it's a little bit more than we want to get into today, but there are a ton of options uh, and things that you need to be aware of when you're working on SEO from, you know, title tags to photos, meta descriptions, keywords, and the list goes on and on and on. Yeah, Corey, just for the listener, um, define like an example of the content that we're talking about. Yeah, so if you know um, that someone from, you know, from your area is, is looking specifically for a podiatrist in your podiatry practice, some of the best things that you can do for SEO, in, aside from, you know, social, uh, some of the best things you can do for SEO for your practice on the website is to create a piece of content, an original piece of content quality that answers this question, this query that someone has put into a search engine. So if you do it correctly, your website will show up as one of the top results for their answer. And then they go and then not only does the website show up, but once they're actually there, you have to have a you want a beautifully designed website that acts as almost a sales funnel to lead them down a path to conversion. So they, they sit there, read the website. Okay, this is helpful. These guys really seem like they know what they're talking about. Then you want some sort of a call to action so they can take that next step. And ideally, you want to be able to do this all without picking up the phone. That's kind of where we see the mm -hmm. industry heading. And in addition to that, you want it to be you know super easy to share. So maybe, maybe it it's some... It should be short. Short, yeah. It should... Not too short, but short. Mm -hmm. If you have a video, you should you know, embed that embed on the... the video with the written content. So yep. if you have a video, you turn it into a written piece. 
it should be broken into sections so that it's very easy to read because most people want to read now in small snippets. I'm long gone are the, the days of the people like me who like to read long multi-page articles in the Wall Street Journal. People like to read it where it all fits in one section. Um, so these are the types of things that you need to think about when you're looking at a particular piece of content. And like Corey said, you have to have a call to action at the end, which hopefully is filling out your online appointment request form or picking up the phone and calling the office. Yep. And uh, another big thing is having links that link to a specific doctor or uh, to the list of physicians. Uh, and really, the whole idea here is once that once they're there, you want to build that trust and start building that relationship so that not only do they get the information that they need, but they also look at the website and go, well, these guys are the experts. If I need something done with my foot, going back to the podiatry example, then I'm going to come here because they really know what's up. It's polished. I trust this. This looks legitimate. You know, it, it doesn't look like it was 1995. Yes. No one's ever touched it since. Um, so I'm going to go here. So uh, building off of the SEO, um, the other three critical elements are mobile friendliness. Yep. And we know from the countless sites that we work with that somewhere in between, typically, 48% and upwards of 60% of traffic comes from mobile devices. So if your website is not mobile friendly, then not only will you plummet in the search results, but once people actually do get to your website, if they get to your website, um, you know they, they need something that is easy to navigate, is very short and concise and, and to the point. So SEO, mobile friendliness, website security. And this is important because uh, we've, we actually experienced this last year. There was a hack on one of the, the websites. It's just something that happens, but you know if you have a game plan in place or at least a backup, then it's easy. You just revert to the day before, you clean out your files, super simple, nothing to worry about. But if you don't have that plan in place, well, yeah, then it's time to run around like your, your hair's on fire because... It Corey doesn't have me. much hair, so he doesn't I don't really have to worry understand about that. what that is. But yeah. we did have a hair on fire moment with <laughs> one of our websites last year. Yeah, so we've got SEO, mobile friendliness, website security, and then average load time is also really important because if you think about your website, you know, you're just surfing habits, you know, if the page you're trying to get to takes more than, I don't know, what do you say, four or five seconds? If that. Yeah, I, I'm you're so, done. like, I have such a short attention span. If it doesn't load in one or two seconds, I'm on to the next thing. I'm it, already complaining the site's not working. Yeah, exactly. So, and I would, I would argue that most people are just like that. So, if you can master the SEO, the mobile friendliness, the security, and the load time, you're going to see your website results and organic traffic kind of go through the roof, which is obviously the goal if you're in this inbound marketing sort of realm. So if you are thinking about um, getting a new website or enhancing your current website, and, and most of the new websites we've done in the last few years are a direct result of the changes that Google made to indexing mobile-friendly versus sites that are not mobile-friendly. And so most of the websites we've done are getting them to where they're mobile-friendly and you, they'll appear properly on a cell phone or a tablet. So when you're getting ready for your redesign, if you have the opportunity to take a look at your analytics, look at the pages that are performing well now on your website and then think about that as you're being presented with the initial design standards for your new site. So the things that we have found over the years that are important are really quick homepage access to any kind of patient forms, really highlighting your physicians, um, make it very easy to find the physician tab, any specialties that you've got, and um, definitely your locations. Those are probably your top four pages most visited on the website, and they need to be within one click of somebody landing on your site. 
Yeah, I would agree. I would say nine out of 10, that's usually the, the top four things that are there. So one of the design uh, elements that we always incorporate into the new websites that we're doing is you know some sort of big uh, row of buttons or circles or icons or something that can easily get users to those four things because we know like I said, nine times out of ten, that's what people are looking for. So the the easier we can make that for them, the better experience that they're going to have. And we'll make it where it's really simple. Like you can't miss the uh, the option for requesting uh, an appointment. But we find that more people will click on either the location or the forms or the physicians or a specialty before they'll click on the request an appointment page. So they have to qualify themselves somewhere, but you have to make sure that your every new website should have the ability to accept a request for an appointment. It doesn't mean that they're, they're scheduling an appointment and tying into your scheduling software. It means that they are filling out a form that says, hey, I'm interested in getting an appointment next Monday between the hours of 3 and 6 p.m., and an email gets generated and sent to your scheduling person so that scheduler can then pick up the phone and call them back and get this thing scheduled. Yeah, and real quick, um, you know, going off of this idea, this also relates back to the website security that we were talking about before because uh, just to be HIPAA compliant, all of this data, you know, so if they are submitting a website request, that has to be encrypted on the way to the website, then when it's housed, and then on the way to the scheduler. So that's just something to be aware of as an aside. Yeah, and I think that um, I can't drive home enough the importance of having the ability to request the appointment. We have practices that'll be a single provider practice that maybe get half a dozen to a dozen appointment requests per month. That's half a dozen to a dozen times that the front desk person is not interrupted to schedule an appointment and that um, you kind of have the information ahead of time. We have some um, clients that we work with that last year got six and 7,000 appointment requests, which is hundreds per month. And that's hundreds of phone calls per month that were channeled to work more conveniently from a patient experience standpoint. And then you didn't have to have somebody on the other side answering those hundreds of phone calls per month. Yeah, and I always make the argument too that you know we don't know if those appointment requests would have been made if there was no option to do that on the website. So that's something to think about too. If you don't have that option now, you know how many potential patients are you missing out on because they just don't want to pick up the phone? Yeah, we're both both Corey and I are one of those patients. Yeah, I would much rather click a button, fill something out, have someone call me, and I'll just say, yeah, nope, that works for me, rather than pick up the phone and do the whole rigmarole. Yeah, we were literally deciphering some AdWords campaigns from this past year, and Corey told me today we had a client that 816 times um, in 2015, somebody, rather than clicking through to the website, literally on their phone, clicked on the client's phone number to call and schedule an appointment. But the fact is, they're going online, to find the information they need so they can make their appointment when they want to. And what's important is that you offer them different ways to make the appointment so it works for them. Definitely. It's and all about the patient. Yep, exactly. And I would say that the you know as good as all of this sounds and we all know what we have to be doing, the, the biggest sort of boon for this and is probably you know having the, the skills to do it and, and the time and, and the resources. So if you find yourself with, with lacking any of those, you know, there's a couple of things that you can do. If the website's really old, your hands are a little tied. You might be out of luck there. But, uh, you know, if you have a, a newer website, especially built within the past couple of years, um, we, we always recommend to our clients that they build within WordPress because it, it's flexible and it can integrate pretty much any sort of inbound marketing goal that we want to accomplish. 
but aside from that, it is also really easy to learn how to update things. So, um, you know, if your website is built in something like a WordPress, there are, you know, uh, courses and, and YouTube videos and things like that where you can kind of learn just enough to be dangerous. And if you don't want to do that and you don't have the time for that, honestly, the, the best solution is probably to hire a freelancer or an agency or something like that to really give you the product that you need to be successful. Well said, Corey. And then I think we should just wrap it up with, you know, maybe answering a question that we get all the time, which is, you know, how much does it cost to build a website and how long does it take? And I think cost is relative to what you want in a website, but, and Corey's always bad about underestimating his time. (laughs) He's the worst at it. But going back when I was evaluating all the projects that we worked on this past year, um, I would say the simplest sites that we did we're no less than 50 hours. And we do, for the most part, everything in-house and we know what we're doing so it doesn't take extra time. And a lot of the sites are, are built in a similar way. They're, you know, we kind of know what has to be there and we can write well for them. But no less than 50 hours for the simplest of the simple sites. And that's one, maybe two providers. And then some of the larger ones um, that I thought would have been maybe 100, 125 hours ended up being about 150 to 170 hours. And so I think that you know, you got to think that through. Even we have a, a really simple, like, two-page site that we need to build over the next couple of days for a client for a special project they're working on. And we estimated about 24 hours to build literally a two-page site because of everything that goes into setting it up and then some of the basic, very basic graphics and some forms and things of that nature. We're looking at probably a total of three days of work once we put the SEO in and all that. So just remember that is. So you, you know, on the low end, 50 hours, on the very low, and on the high end, you could be looking at hundreds and hundreds of hours. And so we often tell people to look at it as a phased approach. There's some things that you have to launch with, which I think we shared with you. And there's some things like from a content development standpoint that you could launch over time. And then it just depends what your consultant or what the agency or whoever you're hiring is going to charge you on an hourly basis. Yeah, it's all about scalability. You know, so if you if you need something up, you know, you can you can start with the the bare bones and the basics, and you can build from there. And again, I think that's something that uh, we always preach for WordPress is that it's so scalable and so easy to add on and, and really make it the ultimate uh, mothership, bringing it back to that. Yeah, it doesn't need to be fancy. No. It just needs to work, and it needs to all help with patient experience. So bring it home to the mothership, take care of that baby, and watch her grow. And then when it's time to send her off to college, you just have another one. So if it... If we're bringing the baby home to the... Is it an alien baby? Yeah, it's an it, alien baby okay. that we're bringing home to the mothership. <laughs> All right, I think we're on a tangent here. The mothership here. is no, the minivan. We're, we're done with this for now. So there's no minivan. All right. <laughs> Thanks again for listening, everybody. As always, I'm Corey. And I'm Jennifer. And we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the DrMarketingTips.com podcast. If there's anything from today's show you want to learn more about, check out DrMarketingTips.com for our podcast resource center with all the notes, links, and goodies we mentioned during the show. If you're not already a subscriber to our show, please consider pressing the subscribe button on your podcast player so you never miss one of our future episodes. And if you haven't given us a rating or review yet on iTunes, please find a spare minute and help us reach and educate even more of our medical practice peers. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Doctor's Orders.